You're listening to Ottawa's Baseball Show. It's Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante and Mike Nellis on CKDJ 107.9, home of the Ottawa Champions. Welcome to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Pack show for you. That's why we're going to keep this first segment as short as possible as we're going to be joined in our next segment with Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals. Not only a third baseman, can also play a little first base and uh, has pitched a few games this year and mentioned in the interview that he's actually thinking about changing to a pitcher. Uh, he's a uh, he topped out about 92-93 this season, uh, he had mentioned, and he says that he's training to be not only a pitcher but a hitter this year. He's only 20 years old, going on to age, uh, his age 21 season. The oldest player in the Can-Am League was drafted by the Seattle Mariners uh, in the 11th round out of Vancouver, B.C., so a local Canadian kid by the Mariners and uh, only reached as high as a second-season rookie ball. He's going into his fourth season of professional baseball and is definitely trying to do something different. One of the nicest guys you'll meet, a young kid, his first time on radio. So so not only is it good for you know Fontaine and getting a little bit of experience, because I could see him getting picked up in a couple years, but it's also a really good story because he talks about the junior national team and going through uh, you know how Canadian kids are being you know more uh, picked by the Mariners because they're only a few hours away and scouts can kind of jump over the border and go watch these Canadian kids play. And he also talked about the way uh, Canadian baseball has grown in the last couple of years and how you know how cool it was for him to put the Quebec Capitals jersey on and play with you know twelve Canadian guys on his team. And you know it's you never you don't see it too often that a team has that many Canadian guys on the team and that much Canadian content and guys that you had played with not only when you're ten years old, twelve years old, and the junior national team because that's the kind of experience that he had. And he you know he made some good friends there and talks a little bit about that. Following that, in our final segment, we talk with uh, Tao of Steve from Sportsnet.ca. Follow him on Twitter at Tao of Steve. He comes on to chat a little bit about uh, the Blue Jays' last two acquisitions in the past week. Kendris Morales, first baseman uh, slash DH switch hitter, came over from the Kansas City Royals two years ago. 41 doubles, 22 home runs, 100 RBIs. Last year, 92 RBIs, 26 doubles, 29 home runs. Uh, hit 260, but this is a guy who can hit from both sides of the plate. Maybe those doubles turn into home runs in Toronto. He talks a little bit about that and and that maybe we can hope a little bit more power from him and how the Blue Jays now have uh, some backup because since Morales is on the team, they don't have to go out and sign Encarnacion. It's a three-year deal uh, at the age 33 going to age 36. This could uh, be good for the Blue Jays. He also talks about how Jays are going to have a tough – Tough time finding a left-handed hitter. Josh Reddick, already off the market, signed with the Astros just a few days ago. Brian McCann now going over the Astros. That West Division gets a lot stronger. He talks about that. He talks also about the closer market, and we chat about the possibilities of Bautista and Encarnacion coming back to Toronto. Maybe Bautista goes and plays a little first base, Encarnacion. And, you know, not only like even signing Encarnacion, it's not a big deal at this point because the Jays still have some core pieces in that lineup. Guriel, another guy that they just signed who could make his way up to the big leagues by the end of next season. Um, you, you look at uh, Josh Donaldson and Troy Tulowitzki could, you know, go back into the middle of the lineup and they don't have to fill it with Bautista and Encarnacion and, and Morales goes and hits fifth or sixth. 
um, and a switch hitter in that in that point as well. Russell Martin can move up in the lineup. These are guys the Jays have a. What people need to understand is that the Jays have a lot of of guys that can swing the bat and were kind of moved down in the lineup and weren't the stars because Edwin Bautista were. Um, the middle and meat of that order for such a long period of time that you couldn't really take them out of it. And now that Donaldson can kind of hit three or Tulowitzki can hit three and maybe do what he did with the Rockies, you have guys that on their old teams, Tulowitzki was hitting third, Josh Donaldson was hitting third, fourth with the Oakland Athletics before he came here. Russell Martin was hitting third with the Pittsburgh Pirates or hitting fourth at times when Andrew McCutcheon was in the lineup. Um, and Kendris Morales was hitting fourth, hitting third with the uh, Kansas City Royals, so you have a lot of three and four hitters, guys that can hit fifth, guys that can second. Um, one thing that he did mention is that they should go out and sign Dexter Fowler, a switch-hitting center fielder, could maybe play a little left field. Uh, Kevin Pillar looks to be the full-time center fielder. Dexter Fowler could go playing left. Uh, Jay's probably, and he's a switch hitter, so he can hit left-handed, right-handed, a good leadoff guy, lots of speed uh, for Dexter Fowler, and has a fair good amount of power. So well, we're going to talk about that later in the show. But coming up next, Lachlan Fontaine, third baseman for the Quebec Capitals and former Mariners pro- prospect, will join us next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Quebec Capitals third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine from Vancouver, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Before, we were talking about the latest moves in the major leagues. Now we're talking with Quebec Capitals third baseman, Lachlan Fontaine. Fontaine was originally drafted by the Mariners just four years ago, reaching as high as rookie ball. Last year, Fontaine played with the Quebec Capitals at the age of 20, being the youngest player in the Can-Am League. He now joins us today. Lachlan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you. So I want to start things off uh, before I get into your high school days and your early parts of your career. I want to ask you, what, how did it feel to be the youngest player in the Can-Am League uh, playing for the Capitals entering your age 20 season? I actually didn't know until uh, in spring training there, there was an, I did an interview and he, he actually mentioned it and I, like, I had no idea before that. So it was a pretty cool feeling to find, find that out. But yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> Now, now, Lachlan, you were scouted out of Sutherland uh, High School in North Vancouver uh, by the Mariners, ended up getting drafted uh, out of that high school at the age of 17. You went on to play rookie ball uh, in the Arizona Winter League, or sorry, not the Winter League, on the Arizona League down in rookie ball. Now, I want to ask you about, you know, your age, you know, 16, 17 season in high school. Um, were there other teams interested in you other than the Mariners? Obviously, it's a lot easier for the Mariners to, to come out and see you because it's you know only a few hours away. Did you feel that kind of helped in getting signed, and were there other teams you know willing to look at you at that point? Um, I think there was yeah there was some other teams interested. Obviously, like the I'm sure the Blue Jays were just because they love Canadian kids and stuff like that. But um, I I did a lot of paperwork for a bunch of different teams. Uh, but yeah, the Mariners definitely being in Vancouver helped because I went to I think it was the uh, like the pre-draft workout and stuff like that and a couple camps down in Seattle. And I just always, uh, they were always the closest to me. So I think that definitely helped out. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, was there anything in particular when you were playing high school ball that helped you, you know, get looked at a little bit more? Did you pitch a little bit? Did you play other positions? Obviously you're left-handed, You or sorry, you bat left, which uh, 
gives you a little bit more promise. A lot, of, a lot of other teams are going to look at you. But was there anything else there that gave you, you know, a little bit more leverage than other Canadian kids? I think just my size, probably. I mean, I didn't have that great of a senior year. I didn't hit that well, and I pitched a little bit in grade 11. But um, I think just my size helped out a lot because I was pretty much the same size I am now, maybe a couple pounds lighter. But I was six three, two hundred and something pounds, and I had a pretty good arm. So I think that just that was the main thing, whereas some kids hadn't really developed yet and they would probably grow a little bit in college and stuff. So being uh, that young and being tall and having a lot of room to grow like body-wise, I think that helped out quite a bit. Canadian third baseman Lachlan Fontaine here with us on Around the Diamond talking about uh, his early days of his career and his time with the Quebec Capitals. Now, I want to go, you know, stay with those early days of your career. Um, was there anyone else in, you know, Vancouver like yourself that you know had a big shot at you know going into the system was there any other friends that you had played with along the way uh especially on the west side of canada that had got into the system at that point uh one of my really good friends tristan graham he got drafted by the baltimore orioles last year in the 22nd round i believe he he's still with them right now i think he just he just got back from uh instructional league uh, he he was actually in junior college at the time so um, he didn't get drafted out of high school, but he, he had a couple injuries. But then eventually, like, his, he was always good enough, but he just never really got the exposure. So he got drafted. And then um, Rowan Wick, I know pretty well. Um, he's with the Cardinals. And then, obviously, Tyler O'Neill. I played with him for a few years, and he's making his way in the Mariners system quite high, and he's a pretty big prospect. So those are the main guys I played with. Now, Lachlan, I want to ask you, did you feel it was easier for you getting drafted by Seattle knowing that it was just, you know, a few hours away from where you lived in Vancouver and knowing that, you know, scouts can come over and see you more frequently than other kids across Canada, especially the Mariners, you know, um, went out and signed O'Neill, like you had mentioned. And did you feel that maybe, in you know, while you're sitting at that dinner table with your parents trying to decide, you know, where what you should do, whether you should go to college or you should sign with the Seattle Mariners, did you have that thought in your head? Maybe one day if I make the major leagues, it's going to be nice to see your family just, you know, a few hours away. Oh, yeah, for sure. That definitely uh, helped out. And especially, I like, I used to go to a lot of Mariners games as a kid, so it was kind of cool getting drafted by the team that sort of your hometown team, even though it was, I didn't live in Seattle. But it was basically our hometown team because that's the only uh, close major league team. But, um, yeah, that, I think that definitely helped out. And I remember when Tyler O'Neill got drafted, I actually called him and I congratulated and everything, and I said, Tyler, tell them to draft me next. And he said, all right, I'll tell them. And then sure enough, I think it was like the next day or two, um, I got the call, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I think that definitely helped out a lot. Now, Lachlan, there's this one guy that came on my show. He's a scout for the Mets uh, in Canada. His name's Claude Pelche. Did you have a chance to, to meet him or did he come out and scout you? I'm just curious to know. I believe I met him briefly, but I know he talked to my dad quite a bit because yeah. they both have a French-Canadian background, mm -hmm. so... They got to talking a lot when I was with Team Canada and stuff in Florida. So they uh, talked a little bit more in depth, but I met him briefly. Now, Lachlan, just to follow up to that question, you mentioned your dad had a, you know, a French-Canadian background. You went over to play yeah. for the Quebec Capitals. I'm fast-tracking a little bit, but you went over to play for the Quebec Capitals this year. Um, who had kind of approached you, knowing that you had a French-Canadian background, and did that kind of uh, give you a little bit more, you know, did that kind of ease you into things, going over to Quebec, and did you know any French to go there? Um, it was my agent who actually contacted me. I think it was like the day after or the day of that I got released. And, uh, the Quebec team was actually the only independent team I really knew of at that point. Yeah. Um, I played with, uh, 
John Anthony Lantigua, whose dad is Eddie Lantigua, who played for the Capitals for like 11, 10 or 11 years or something. And uh, so I knew about the team already. So um, it was pretty easy making that choice to go over there. And I've heard a lot about it. I heard it was an awesome city, which it is, and an awesome place to be. And I didn't really know that much French. Uh, my dad spoke French as a kid and in school and stuff and in his house, but he never really taught me and he kind of lost it a bit. So um, the only French I took there was the high school French that I learned. Did you did you pick up any French once you got to Quebec this year? A little bit, a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> some All of right. the older guys, some of the older guys helped me out with that. So once you got to Quebec, I mean, going in the off season, did you stay in contact with guys like Jonathan Malo or you know Pat Scalabrini to go out and sign you? Because you had mentioned that your agent went out, but some of your good buddies or your teammates like Max Tissenbaum or Jordan Leonardton always say, well, yeah, I just get a Facebook message from Jonathan Malo, come play for us, and that's it, that's all. They've said that on the show. i just wondering how they had got in contact with your agent, uh, Pat Scalabrini. I think Pat just knew my agent quite well. I mean, I'm, like, I'm pretty uh, – my age difference between, say, Malo or Leonardton <laughs> is quite, quite a lot. Like, I think Malo's 12 or 13 years older than me, so – I didn't really know him at the time. I knew uh, I knew of him and Leonardton, obviously, because they're just, I mean, crazy good ba- like Canadian baseball players. So I've I've known their name for years, but I've never actually met them or even talked to them. So um, I never really got a Facebook message or anything. I didn't even know anybody on the team. I just like I knew of Connect and all them just because they were Canadians. But yeah, no Facebook messages or anything. Was there anyone on the Capitals that when you had originally got signed by them, and or when you were thinking of signing? Uh, with the Quebec Capitals, you went on their website and it was all in French, and you said, "Oh boy, here we go again." <laughs> and then and I could th- actually surprisingly, I could read um, quite a lot of it. Like I can read a bit of French, but I knew, like I knew of Jordan Leonardton, I knew Malo, um, I knew of Connect, uh, Ricard, like all the Canadian guys. I've I've known their name forever. I just never got the chance to meet them or play with them. So I kind of I knew there was going to be a like a good Canadian atmosphere up there. So I wasn't really nervous or anything about that. So, so when you had looked at the roster, there wasn't, you know, anyone on that team that you had already, you know, played with beforehand. Is that correct? None. None. Yeah. So Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here with us on Around the Diamond. Now, once you got into the Mariner system at the age 17, was that a, a tough transition for you? I've asked a lot of guys uh, this that go straight from high school over uh, to uh, the minor league system. Um, was that a tra- tough transition for you going from Vancouver, which is different weather, over to Arizona. Obviously, I'm sure you loved it over in Arizona. I know a lot of guys do, but I just want to hear your experience on it. Um, yeah, it was kind of a weird situation. Pretty much the day I graduated high school, I uh, signed my um, contract, and then I, it took a couple weeks for the uh, work visa to kick in. So as soon as I got my work visa, I went down there, and I remember getting dropped off at the hotel, and the first person I saw was O'Neill. I mean, we were pretty good friends at the time. We were on Team Canada and stuff together, so... I was actually rooming with him, so it wasn't that hard of a transition. It wasn't like I was rooming with some, like, an American kid that I've never met in my life and never played with. So I already I knew him, so that was kind of an easy transition. Just the baseball was the biggest uh, biggest change, like, playing from playing high school Canadian baseball to professional baseball with, um, like, Dominicans, Venezuelans, like, all the crazy good baseball countries. It was just a, a wake-up call, like, how much talent there is in the world. You speak of Dominicans and Venezuelans. Uh, you went and played with the junior national team. I know the junior national team. I believe you played with them uh, 2013. Is that correct? Yes. 
So the Canadian Junior National Team, you went on to play with them. They travel quite a bit. They go to Dominican. Um, they, they, you know, they travel all around. Where did where did you kind of go with with the Junior National Team? I went to Florida a few times. Um, the Dominican, Australia. Taiwan. I didn't get to go on the Toronto uh, Boston trip because I was in Arizona with the Mariners. But uh, yeah, those were the five I went on. Now, how was the hospitality like of Baseball Canada and Greg Hamilton to kind of take you guys in and take you know you as you know some of the players that I know would say young cats uh, down to you know Dominican and you know all these other cities and you know the hospitality and you know play some you know excellent baseball down there. It was unbelievable. Yeah, um, it was just a crazy experience i mean i hadn't really played um i hadn't really been anywhere in the world other than canada and united states so going to a place like the dominican as my third country i've ever been to was like an unbelievable experience and we stayed in a really really nice hotel everything was great um the weather was a bit crazy though it was like 95 percent humidity and yeah. pouring rain every day but playing especially playing in those uh different complexes it was just such a cool experience because we'd be driving through the jungle and then all of a sudden there's a beautiful um <laughs> like complex and we'd just play some games and then go back to the hotel but it was such a cool experience when we come back lachlan fontaine will still be with us for another segment on around the diamond on ckdj 1079 he's going to go on and talk about uh, the rest of his career and how canadian baseball has developed over the last 10 years, you're listening to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. This is Quebec Capital's third baseman and pitcher, Lachlan Fontaine from Vancouver, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. We are still talking with Quebec Capital's third baseman and former Seattle Mariners prospect Lachlan Fontaine. Later in the show, we're going to touch base with Sportsnet's Taub Steve to talk about the Jays' latest moves. But right now, we're still talking with Lachlan Fontaine about not only uh, how Canada's game has grown in the last couple of years. Lachlan but Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here with us on Around the Diamond. Now, you, you, you talked about the hotels and the jungles and stuff like that. I want you to tell me about what you took away from the style of play over there, seeing what those kids in, in the Dominican Republic had to offer to you guys. Um, I wouldn't really say that... I, I wouldn't really say it was... Uh, I learned anything from playing them because they they sort of had the same style. It wasn't too much different than I expected. It was just the whole, I remember driving up to one of the complexes and we stopped in this little like park, I guess you could call it. And there was these kids playing baseball with like a stick and a, uh, like a makeshift baseball. And then um, they were sharing all the equipment. They were sharing gloves and everything was kind of torn up and it was just crazy. Uh, like what they were using to play baseball with. I just never seen anything like it in my life. And it was just, like an eye-opening experience that like they love the game so much they would play with a stick and a makeshift ball and in the middle of like a I don't know a big like parking lot like it was just unbelievable. Now just a month ago the, one of the guys that had scouted you with the Mets Claude Pelche came on my show and he talked about you know what Canadian baseball players have to offer. Now I had asked him I said you know the Dominicans have a certain type of flair the Americans have a flair you know the Venezuelans have a, a type of fla a flair from you know, what you've seen from Canadian baseball players and maybe from your own experience, what what do the Canadians have to offer in growing this game and what kind of flair do they have and bringing, you know, 
this game up in Canada, especially with the run that the Blue Jays have had? I think we offer a different, um, sort of like a different view of the game. I mean, some different countries play the game sort of more relaxed. And then Canadian players are obviously brought up as hockey players. So we're more of like a raw, raw sort of football style um, baseball players. But I mean, it seems like most Canadian baseball players are coming up. They're either really hard throwing pitchers or big hitting like power hitters. It doesn't, it seems like we don't have that many like fast little short stops coming up. It just seems to be power hitters and hard throwing pitchers. Well, that goes, you know, with hockey, you know, big hitters and, and guys, exactly. especially guys that play goalie are usually catchers, of course, you know, exactly. <laughs> and, and off that question, uh, a guy that you had a chance to play with for, you know, 13 or 15 so, so odd games was a Trevor Gretzky. And he came on my show uh, before he had even played a game in the Can-Am League. One of the nicest guys I've ever talked to on the phone. We exchanged some texts back and forth. Really good guy in general. For you being, a, you know, a young Canadian kid from BC and probably watching hockey, you know, through your younger days, what was that like uh, to be able to play with Wayne Gretzky's son and eventually meet him after the game? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, I remember the it was our second game. It was our home opener, and I was on deck, and I looked up, and I saw Wayne Gretzky, like everyone's childhood hero, <laughs> and it was just, like, I felt like I was in a dream. I remember, uh, like, he just kind of looked down at me, and I, I was just looking at him, and I thought I was in a dream. It was just the craziest experience. So when he had came in and, you know, after the game, did you end up getting a, an autograph from him or something like that? I actually didn't. I was the one taking most of the pictures. <laughs> which, and as soon as he left, I was like, I just about said something, but I didn't end up uh, saying anything. But, yeah, I took about 10 pictures that day. So, obviously, you know, it was a, a tough loss for you guys to lose um, Trevor Gretzky. He went down with shoulder injury. He got injured twice, and then eventually he, he was released because he couldn't play for the rest of the season. Now, um, from what I had heard, is that, you know, he's trying to recover from that what kind of a teammate was Trevor Gretzky, especially, you know, with the injuries and stuff like that? And what type of a player was he on and off the field? He was definitely more of a um, leader by example, I guess you'd say. Like, he didn't, uh, he wasn't very vocal. Well, he was vocal, obviously, but he wasn't like a, he wasn't going to bring the whole team in and have like a group discussion like some guys would, say like Mahler or something. But he definitely led by example. I mean, I mean the first game he walked off the game which was like a crazy experience and I think he was like three for five in that game or something but they were all just clutch hits and crazy timing for stuff like that so he was definitely just a leader by example he was uh just a quiet star I guess you could say Lachlan Fontaine third baseman or as they could call it now pitcher for the Quebec Capitals you pitched uh, for the Capitals this season <laughs> I know you talked about your arm at the beginning of the interview and at the beginning of this segment about, you know, how your arm got you a little bit look, looked at a little bit more by the, the Seattle Mariners. So mm-hmm. this season, Pat Scalabrini just said, all right, you got a good arm. We'll, uh, we'll make you uh, throw a couple games. You threw six. Uh, you, you went in for six games, eight innings pitched. You allowed 11 hits, six earned runs. I'm not going to go into the stats too much. Uh, but I remember it was always funny for me watching you in the broadcast. I said, oh, look, there's Fontaine going down to the bullpen. Oh, no, he's going to go back to the dugout. Oh, there he goes back in the bullpen. Was that kind of fun for you? And did the guys kind of give you a hard time going back to the bullpen and back to the bench or back to third base a few times in the game? Yeah, some of the some of the pitchers in the bullpen, as soon as I would jog down there, they'd kind of get up and kind of joke around that they were mad and, like, they were about to leave. But they were obviously just joking. But, um yeah, pitching was a crazy experience this year. I hadn't pitched since probably grade 11. And, like, my first game, I remember going up there just shaking, and I had no idea what was going on. And 
no mechanics. I was just trying to throw as hard as I could. And then once I got out of the first inning, I kind of settled down a bit. But, yeah, some of the games I went in there, it's definitely harder than I thought. I just expected that if you throw it over the plate, you're going to get outs. But it's definitely harder than I thought. One guy that did that for the Ottawa Champions was Jason Coker, another third baseman like yourself uh, who lives in the Ottawa area, which is always nice to see that. But um, what kind of stuff do you got? What kind of pitches do you throw? Uh, how fast do you throw if you've got it? Um, I think the highest I hit this year was 92. Um, I throw a change-up that's average, I guess you could say, and a slider that I threw for the first time this year. <laughs> but um, I'm definitely going to train a lot more in the off season just to have that as a second second uh, choice. So I have a couple pitching coaches I can work with down here and maybe try to gain a couple miles an hour and get a couple secondary pitches. Now you talk about uh, maybe training to be a pitcher. Do you feel like you can be like a super utility guy? You're right-handed, so you can play anywhere on the diamond, maybe a little outfield as well? Yeah, I don't know if I have the speed for the outfield, but I could probably throw the ball to the plate decently. But, uh, yeah, I just want to have that in my back pocket for the next couple of years just in case, I mean, a scout sees what he likes when I'm pitching. So just always have that ready to go. Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here with us on Around the Diamond. Now, what was it like to play with a bunch of Canadians? I want to throw this tweet out there that I think you were in this picture. It was in Ottawa. Uh, I don't know yeah. who from uh, Baseball Canada came down and said, is this hashtag Team C or is this the Quebec Capitals? I thought that was a pretty funny <laughs> photo. We're actually missing a couple of Canadian guys there too. Um, it was unbelievable playing with all those Canadian guys. They had so many stories from like the Premier 12 tournament and the Pan Ams and just so much like so many veterans that have so many stories and it was just so much for me to learn last year like I I learned more than I ever have in five months I mean it was just a crazy experience now I want to ask you what has baseball Canada done in your eyes to to help grow this game because we see so many more Canadians get drafted into the system and and Mm -hmm. even the Quebec of uh, the the success of your team in the Quebec Capital so many Canadian uh, guys on that team they can just go look at the Capitals and say, all right, you're coming to play for the Pan Am Games. We need you at the World Baseball Classic. What has Baseball Canada done uh, throughout the whole country to help develop this game so and so much? And, and you know, look at the way it's come from, for example, the early 2000s where there wasn't a lot of guys to now. Yeah, I mean, like growing up as a kid playing baseball, your ultimate dream, well, obviously, is the major leagues. But other than that, your ultimate dream is to wear Canada across your chest and just having that goal in mind the whole time is just it's just such a good feeling because you actually have a chance whereas somewhere like the states i mean everyone has a chance but it's just so hard because there's so many players and so much talent there but playing for team canada is just a, like the ultimate experience and like representing a whole country in a tournament is a awesome experience and they've done so much for the game um like you even on the farthest like Vancouver's the farthest place from Toronto, I guess, is where like the headquarters or Ottawa is where the headquarters are. But you still see Baseball Canada stuff here all the time. I see Baseball Canada hats that are that people are wearing, and it's just it's a really cool thing to have. It's funny you mentioned the Baseball Canada hats because I was calling hockey in a you know small town you know just outside of Ottawa in the middle of Ontario, and there was kids walking around with Baseball Canada Canada hats, which is something to mention. But I want to move over to Greg Hamilton. He coached you on the junior national team, and he is the uh, head coach of uh, pretty much all of uh, Canadian baseball in Canada, other than the World Baseball Classic. I believe Ernie Witt is the head coach for that, mm-hmm. but. I wanted to ask you about what Greg Hamilton has done since he stepped up and became the coach and how he's helped grow the game. I mean, he he's 
like made so many kids dreams come true uh he's everywhere you know what i mean like he's i've seen him in vancouver the last couple off seasons that showcases and it just shows like how much he cares that he goes to all sides of the country to find the best talent to have on those teams and he's he was such a good coach when i had him he like he was never afraid to tell you the truth or sit down with you and have like talk to you about everything and um like work on mechanics anything you could ask he was there and he always uh had your best interest in mind Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here of us on Around the Diamond in the last game of the season you saw uh, 8,000 people come out and play uh or 8,000 fans come out and watch the Ottawa Champions play you guys in the last game of the season on Labor Day which much must have been a real treat uh treat but one thing I want to ask you about is having to see a guy that you must have looked up at your whole life and that's Eric Gagne on the mound who was a great Canadian baseball player a Cy Young award winner with the LA Dodgers just to see him throw on the jersey for the Ottawa champions and pitch a game it must have been a real treat for you to watch that yeah it was it was a pretty awesome experience I mean he did way better than I thought he was too (laughs) like he 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 was throwing some pretty good pitches up there so it was just an unbelievable experience. I was, uh, I, I came in later in the game, but honestly, I just wanted to watch at that point and just take it all in because it was just a crazy experience. Now, you're the first player that I've had the chance to ask what Eric Gagne looks like on the mound. Now, when I talked to Claude Pelche, the, the scout who actually signed Gagne in 1995, he said, boy, his curveball was better than ever. Must have been really hard to hit and seeing that coming out of his hands. <laughs> I actually didn't face him. But, oh, you didn't? Um, no, I didn't. I I was going to start the game and just get it one up out or whatever, but um, they needed me in the bullpen actually that game. So I ended up just coming in like the eight or ninth inning. I got one at bat and then um, I was on base. So I couldn't come in and close because it was pretty, it was a pretty lopsided game at that point. So yeah, we just, I think they needed me in the pen that game. Yeah. I think, I think I remember you. That's where I remember you going down to the bullpen off what I said. Yeah. Yeah. but just before we go, I want to ask you about exactly what you're doing in the off season to help you train for next year, and uh, what kind of side jobs you do outside of uh, of baseball. Because last week I had uh, Josh Wood of the Sussex County Miners, who is a pitcher for them, who is a barber in the off season. He cuts hair and he does a pretty good job at it as well. Um, you know, he cuts Odell Beckham Jr.'s hair, which I thought was was wow. pretty cool. So, uh, Lachlan, what do you do outside of baseball in the off season? Uh, currently, I'm working at Lululemon. Uh, it's a clothing brand based out of Vancouver. Yep. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of it. Everyone's heard of it. Yep. Uh, in West, I'm working in the West Vancouver location, so that's an awesome job to have. I work with great people, and just I like I wear the clothes to work out in anyway. So why not work there, right? Yeah. Um, and then in in the spring, I coach uh, like little league baseball players. So you so you coach little league baseball. So other than that, you know, how, how's the off season going for you, training wise, and what are you working on to to better yourself for next year? Just getting my body. Uh, I gave it a bit of a rest, so I'm just trying to get it back in shape now and just build up strength, build up mobility, um, speed, everything. And then once the winter rolls around, I'm going to start training my arm and work with a couple pitching coaches and get it back in shape and in top form. Maybe pulling an Adam Lowen over here, or what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. So I'll be in the cage too, but definitely working on my arm. So uh, do you go down to Arizona and train at some point, or, or where do you – because obviously Vancouver, I mean, a lot warmer than Ottawa, but, I mean, where, where do you go to, to train? Um, I work out at a batting cage called Inside Performance, and it's 
beautiful, beautiful uh, batting cage. There's three cages, um, pitching mounds, everything, everything you could ask for. And it's like the only one in British Columbia that's, I mean, of that quality, right? So there's like a workout room, and that's where I am most of the time. And that's Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here for us on Around the Diamond. Before we go, Lachlan, I want to ask you about maybe one person or a couple people that may have helped you along the way. It could be a coach in the minor league system, a coach in high school, or even someone in your family that might have helped you get to this point and along the way throughout your career. Well, first of all, my parents, obviously, they've been supportive of everything I've chosen. Um, they always leave the the choices up to me, and they'll support me no matter what. And they've, I mean, they've driven me to baseball practice for so many years, and my dad's driven my car down to Arizona so I could have it and extended and everything. And, I mean, he loves traveling, but it's still got to be pretty hard to do that. So, obviously, my parents are my number one supporters, but a um, couple coaches, John Haar, he's pretty big in the Canadian baseball uh, community. Uh, Larson Bouk was my high school coach who taught me everything I know. Um, Brooks McNiven is another coach. He's still coaching my high school team uh, currently. He, those are my three main coaches that, uh, I mean, they taught me everything I know. They taught me how to be a man, um, just everything. Well, there you have it. Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals here with us on Around the Diamond. Once again, Lachlan, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And we wish you best of luck uh, on your part-time job and uh, training for next season. And maybe uh, we see you come out of the pen a little bit more next year. Thank you very much for having me. That was Lachlan Fontaine of the Quebec Capitals, third baseman and pitcher, joining us here on Around the Diamond. Stay tuned because coming up next, we're going to talk with Sportsnet's Taub Steve about the Blue Jays' moves over the last week, signing Kendris Morales and Guriel, along with some possible trade bait and uh, moves to come in the next two weeks. You're listening to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, this is Ottawa champion second baseman Albert Cartwright all the way from the Bahamas. You're listening to Around the Diamond with my man, Diamond Dante, on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Before, we were talking with Quebec Capital's third baseman, Lachlan Fontaine. Now joining me over the phone is Sportsnet's Taub Steve to talk about the Blue Jays' moves over the last week, and other MLB signings and trades. Tal, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back, Dante. Absolutely. And, you know, Tal, over the last week, we, we had a chance to to see uh, two big Cuban signings uh, in terms of the Blue Jays. They went out and got Lourdes uh, Gurriá, I believe that's how you say it, and uh, Kendris Morales, a switch-hitting DH first baseman, whatever you want to call it. Now, I want to start off with Guriel. Um His other brother was signed by the Astros midseason season. His other older brother played for the Quebec Capitals in the Can-Am League last year. A big family in terms of baseball. This guy, from what we've seen and what we've heard about, can play the outfield in the infield. We'll probably start off in double-A. Tau, what, what do you see from him going forward, and how, how fast is his development going to be with the Jays? Do you feel he has a chance to make this team out of spring training? Uh, I, I don't think so, not out of spring training, uh, especially because he didn't play last year. Um, I, I think that there is an aspect of rust there uh, that they're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, I, I, I do get the sense that the intent is going to be to start him where, 
you know, maybe it's double A. I even heard someone muse the other day in terms of believing him down in the Florida State League because, uh, you know, unlike a lot of the, the Dominican kids who get the chance to sort of uh, work their way through and, and, and play in some cold weather locations, you know, he, he's probably never played baseball in the cold weather. Uh, or, or at least very, very seldom, maybe at an international tournament. So, you know, I could see them giving him uh, a start at uh, at high A in Dunedin, uh, moving him up quickly through the ranks, and then, you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, uh, I, I, I would think that there's a decent chance that he will be uh, a Blue Jay uh, at some point next year. Um, the question is, you know, at what point in the season and, and in what role. But, you know, as a 23-year-old, I think uh, he's probably, once he shakes off some of that rust, uh, hopefully going to be someone who can contribute in some way. Sportsnet author Taubes Deeb here with us on Around the Diamond talking Blue Jays. Follow him on Twitter at Taubes Deeb and on sportsnet.ca. Now, Guriel has uh, the versatility to play all around the diamond. He can play the outfield. He can play the infield. Some people are saying that he might go uh, play a little first base, depending on if Incarnacion comes back or not. Um, from what you've seen and from what you've heard, you've obviously had the chance to watch uh, the Cuban national team play in Ottawa. Although he wasn't on that team, you see the style of play that they have and the versatility that those type of players have. Where do you see him fit on the depth chart at this point? Well, I think two of the positions where they mentioned that he could play are shortstop and center field. And I think if you think that a player could land in one of those two places... Uh, then you do well to uh, try him in those places. So uh, I went and took a look at, uh, at as much video as I could find on YouTube of him. Uh, one of the prominent videos is of him making a fairly dramatic diving catch for the final out of a game uh, in left field. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a beautiful textbook uh, Kevin Pillar Superman slide, but uh, he, he definitely is a big, long, lean, athletic uh, player, and I, I think that they'll probably give him a shot um, at some premium positions before they look to move him to a corner. Now, Tal, they went out and also got another Cuban player, you know, this time a little bit older, and Kendris Morales, a guy who's been around the league the last two years, has really bounced back from his injuries that, you know, had happened with the Los Angeles Angels. He bounced around a couple teams with the Mariners. Finally, you know, made himself at home with the Royals, won a World Series, comes over to the Jays with a lot of experience and an excellent year last year, 92 RBIs the year before, 41 doubles. Do you feel that he can keep up this production going down the road with the Blue Jays? And where do you see him fit in the lineup? Does he hit third? Does he hit fourth? Where does he fit in the Blue Jays lineup? Oh, well, I, I, it's going to be hard to say because I don't think that we have a really good solid sense of, of what the lineup is going to be at this point. But I would imagine him hitting somewhere probably uh, uh, fifth, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that range, depending on who else sort of slides in around him. You know, he's a guy who his uh, hard hit ball rate is uh, is still very high. Um, I think that there's been a lot of uh, a, a lot of mention of the fact that he's a very slow runner, um, might even cost uh, some runs and outs to a team just because of how slow a runner he he actually is. But I, I mean, I, I think he'll hit the ball hard. I think that uh, might play up in the American League East um, in some of the ballparks. Uh, I, I, I 
think that some of the doubles might turn into home runs and and that's always a bit of a that's always a bit of a prayer that people have but uh but i i i feel like he will be a, a solid offensive piece uh in some ways i think you might even be able to expect him to plug in and provide the jays what they got out of chris colabello uh in 2015 and frankly that's something that was lacking from the 2016 team and you speak of, you know, Colabello, but obviously Morales has a little bit of a better track record. Uh, Colabello had, you know, hit over 300, but didn't have as many RBIs as as, uh, as Kendrick Morales has had over the last two years. His average, you know, isn't as high as, you know, people would like, but he's a switch hitting first baseman slash DH that hit 29 home runs last year. So a promise there as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely the, the power is something which, you know, if they do lose... Uh, if they do lose Batista, if they do lose um, uh, Encarnacion, then, you know, they're certainly going to need to replace some of that offense, some of those runs somehow, and having someone who has some power uh, in their bat uh, helps. Um, his, uh, and I think he's a guy who um, his strikeout rate isn't as bad as some of the other players who the Blue Jays have had in the lineup in the last couple of years, his walk rate is maybe a little bit better. Uh, and again, that versatility of having him available uh, to hit from the left side of the plate, um, uh, you know, that's uh, that's going to be an important part of the balance. The Blue Jays had the least amount of um, at-bats last year where they held the platoon advantage. And so getting some switch hitters in uh, where they can can regain some of that, I think, is going to be important. In terms of him in the field, you know, I, I think he's probably uh, purely a DH. But, you know, uh, the the... Royals had him play a handful of games in right field last year, and I haven't seen any video of that, but I'm really eager to, to search it out. No arm in uh, Kendris Morales. Sportsnet's Taub Steve here with us on Around the Diamond talking Blue Jays. Follow him on Twitter at Taub Steve and find him on sportsnet.ca. Uh, now, you mentioned you know Kendris Morales and, and the Blue Jays, but also one thing that the Blue Jays have, uh, or rumors that are surrounding the Blue Jays is how they need a left handed outfielder one thing that they lack last year other than you know Michael Saunders and with BJ Upton or sorry Melvin Upton Jr. in the in the equation um, what are some possible left-handed outfielders available we just saw Josh Reddick get signed by the Astros we'll get to that in a minute Tal but what are some outfielders that the Jays might be looking at right now uh wow I mean you know it's a it's a pretty thin market that's out there at this point um and, uh, you know, Reddick, I think, was an obvious uh, person for them. Uh, I, I know that I'd seen uh, Adam Eaton's name fl- uh, floated around in terms of uh, trade, you know. But, I mean, aside from that, if you're looking at left-handed, uh, left-handed outfielders, I mean, you're getting down into, like, Alejandro Diaz oh available. Um uh, you know, um, Brandon Moss uh, might be uh, might be a name that would uh, uh, that would appeal to them, and he's a guy who, you know, if you set him up into the right platoon uh, between outfield and first base, and 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 have him face right-handed hitters, he could be, you know, a, a reasonable asset. Um, Eric Thames uh, oh is a my. guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's out there. He has, 
uh, he he has been an MVP in the in the Korean League. Yeah, I saw uh, mostly that. Po- yeah, mostly playing um, uh, first base in Korea. So that may be where he ends up uh, if he does come across and and uh, work there. And the other thing, the other guy is Dexter Fowler, who's uh, back out on the market. He was out there last year. He couldn't get the deal that he wanted. He took the the one year with the Cubs and and won a World Championship. And so I think. Um, he could be a guy uh, who uh, could contribute for the Blue Jays very nicely. But uh, again, uh, there's going to be some competition for a, for a guy like him. And you're right about that, Tao. You speak of Dexter Fowler and the Jays needing you know a guy who can lead off for them. He's a guy that could lead off. He led off for the Cubs this year and has a little bit of power in his belt, has some speed and can play some defense. He's also a switch hitter. But I want to move over to... Uh, the, the lineup as we were talking about with Morales, it slipped my mind. I was going to ask you this question. But one thing that I want to see with the Blue Jays, if Encarnacion and Bautista do not come back, that is an if, I do want to see Troy Tulowitzki move into the three spot. And the reason is, is because that's where he was with the Colorado Rockies for, for, Rockies for so many years and had great success. And I feel that moving a guy like Tulowitzki with that much talent in, in the lineup and that much present in the three hole would work very well. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, well, uh, it, I mean, again, I, I guess we're going to have to see what the personnel looks like in the end. I, I do think I prefer, uh, to Lewitsky down a little bit further in the lineup. Um, uh, you know, I think that last year that he, uh, at times was really struggling with stuff down in LA. Uh, his uh, his strike zone judgment, I think, sort of escaped him a handful of times through the season. So, you know, uh, I think that um, there may be uh, other options. But uh, having said that, I mean, uh, if uh, the Blue Jays are cobbling something together, um, could very well be that he, he might be the best person uh, in that role. I would just like to see him possibly, if he is going to be hitting uh, in that part of the lineup, um, to see him uh, come straight out of spring training with a bit of a better approach um, because certainly uh, it, it took him most of the season to dig himself out of the hole that he uh, set himself up with in, in, in April of this year. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back, Sportsnet's Taub Steve will still be here to talk about if Bautista or Encarnacion stays, that is the biggest question that everyone is asking. It's kind of getting a little old at this point, but it's something that we can't shy away from and are definitely going to talk about in our next segment. Stay tuned, because that's coming up next on Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Hey, guys. Shortstop Junior Rojo with the Rock and Boulders. You're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome back to our final segment of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music still joining me over the phone is... Sportsnet's Tau of T- Steve talking Blue Jays here with us on Around the Diamond. Follow him on Twitter at Tau of Steve and sportsnet.ca. Uh, now, uh, Tau, of course... Um, Two big questions. I didn't want to start this off right off the bat, but two big questions that everyone's asking is, is Jose going to sign? Is is Baut- or is Encarnacion going to go to the Red Sox? Is he going to re-sign with the Blue Jays? Now, I've seen you, you kind of take to Twitter on this a little lightly, not as much as other people have, but uh, I want to ask you about you know those two guys in particular. 
and their chances of coming back to the Blue Jays? And do they really need them down the road? Now, a lot of people are saying, bring back Edwin, let Bautista walk. He's not going to get as much money as, as he thought he would with the injury. But at this point, what do you feel is the best option for the Jays? Well, I, I mean, it certainly is complicated by the fact that they did uh, go out and strike early um, with Morales. And so, you know, whether if you thought that uh, Edwin was going to be a DH and part-time first baseman, if you if you have Morales, it, it certainly changes that. Um, I guess the... I do think that they could sign one or the other of them, and frankly, both of them. Um, I think uh, it just depends on where their markets go. Um, I, oddly enough, I think that the the Astros signing both uh, uh, Brian McCann or trading for Brian McCann and signing Josh Reddick might actually start to limit uh, Edwin Encarnacion's market a little bit, possibly. Um, and uh, it might make it uh, more attractive for him to come back. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people have already written off uh, Bautista as well, and, and I think that there is a very um, – there could be a role for him to come back to Toronto uh, and possibly a split time between the outfield and, and transition over into a first-base role. Um, you know, the likelihood of that, I think the, the, the greatest likelihood is that, they, is that both players are playing somebody somewhere else next year. But, um, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they, uh, that they may stay or that one of them may find their way back to Toronto next year. Sportsnet.ca's author, Taub Steeb, talking Blue Jays with us on Around the Diamond. Now we're going to shift over to uh, the, the AL East, or sorry, the AL West as the Astros made a flurry of moves this week, signing Josh Reddick uh, to a contract. He's most likely either going to play left or right field. Excellent defender, has one of the best arms in the league, but they also get a good catcher, a veteran catcher in Brian McCann, a left-handed bat uh, that can hit the ball out of the ballpark for sure. And, you know, with the shift coming into uh, effect over the last couple of years, his average has dipped, but still a relatively good defensive catcher and hitting catcher as well. You had said to me off mic right before we started this interview that the Ash, that you got to watch out for the Astros this year. So in the in the West right now, it's going to be probably one of the hardest divisions. The Astros weren't as good as they were last year. What do you expect for them going into this season? Well, I I, I think that they were possibly even a better team. Uh, they were a better team than their record showed this year, and and I think that uh, for whatever reasons their pitching came uh, came up really short. Um, I, I don't think their pitching is as bad as it looked last year. I think that their offense is as good or better than uh, it looked last year. Um, I, I would uh, hesitantly maybe, but I, I would see them as a favorite in the NL West at this point. Uh, you know, Texas is still... Um, Texas is still really good, uh, but uh, having said that, you know, their pitching uh, at times uh, uh, left them, and I think it's going to be a matter of what sort of support that they can get for that, for the big two on the on the roster. Um, Seattle's uh, still a decent team. It, you know, it's it's a tough, it's a strong division. Um, uh, I I really wish that Mike Trout was playing on a better team in that division uh, um, and with more support around him and and uh, maybe a little better luck in terms of uh, uh, pitcher injuries on, on his team. But, you know, still a really strong division, and, and uh, but I have to say I like the Astros as much as anybody. 
Now, Tal, I want to move over uh, to a couple free agents on the market, and that's the the closer market right now. Chapman, Kenley Jansen, and Andrew Miller are on the market. From what you've heard and from what you've seen, where do they end up at this point? Oh, uh, you know, I think my sense on these things is always that people end up where you don't think that they're going to end up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and especially too, I guess, with the way in which uh, relievers were were used in the in the off season, um, you wonder whether or not if there are going to be teams who already have uh, an established uh, closer in place who are going to bring in one of these guys to sort of serve as that bullpen ace role, the guy who can uh, complement uh, a ninth inning guy by being the best reliever in the in the bullpen, but uh, coming in. Uh, earlier in the game when the situation dictates. So um, so I, I think it's really tough to read that market at this point. Uh, I, I do think that these guys are going to go for big money this year, especially Chap, uh, Chapman and, and, uh, and um, Jansen. Um, but in terms of where they end up, really, uh, really tough to say. I, I, I do think that uh, it's possible that uh, the Yankees might be back in on Chapman. Um, uh, and uh, I think that's really one of the only sort of links that I've, that I've heard in, in, uh, in recent days. So, um, so, you know, it, it'll, it'll bear watching. I, I have a feeling though, that that's going to be a market that, uh, that, that evolves after the top end of the hitting market moves. Well, there you have it. Sportsnet's Taub Steve here with us on Around the Diamond. Once again, we thank you for joining us on the show, and we look forward to hearing from you again and uh, seeing uh, if the Blue Jays make any more moves down the stretch and maybe if they uh, they pull out the some money out there and, and sign some more players. Thanks a lot for joining us. Okay, thanks. Anytime. That was Sportsnet's.ca Taub Steve joining us here on the 36th edition of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. It is Saturday, November 19th here in the CKDJ 107.9 studios. I thank you so much for listening to the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante. Check out my SoundCloud for past episode Diamond uh, Dante Audio. Thank you so much for listening to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond. Next week, we will be talking more baseball and check out my Twitter for updates on a couple guests coming on the show. You are listening to the 36th edition of Around the Diamond. We'll see you next week.